morning we give this time to you, Lord God. We give our praise to you, Lord Jesus, and we thank you, Lord, that you're the same yesterday, today, and forever, Lord God, and we can depend on you and we can trust in you. And even when things look dark, Lord Jesus, that we would, God, would would remember, we would remember, we would remember the promises of our God and that we remember that you never give up on us, that you never lie, you never give up on your promises. You always stay true to them. And so, God, we thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Yes, our children are dismissed to go downstairs. That would be the path to take, though, right there. It is good to be in God's presence this morning, good to be together with you here on this lovely, lovely weekend. Yes, I use the word lovely, and uh, um, it's, uh, it's good to be together. We have some folks away enjoying uh, wherever they are enjoying, and, uh, but it's good to be to, together. Um, I don't know about you, uh, but when I was a kid... I, uh, I always look forward to, I always look forward to like Christmas and birthdays because I always look forward to having gifts, right? I always look forward to having presents. And, and I think uh, for some of us, I think there's, I think some of us when we get older, I, we st- I start to think to myself, uh, my expectations of good gifts kind of get less and less as I get older. You know what I mean? As a kid, you think to yourself, what is going to be in this present? It is going to be amazing. It is going to fulfill my wildest dreams. And that's what you're thinking about the present. And you're thinking to yourself, when I open this present, I am going to be so excited about what is inside here because it's a present and it's just for me and it's going to be amazing. But I think as we get older, we start to look at presents and you start to question. People bring you stuff and you think, I wonder what's in there. Am I going to like it? (laughs) How am I going to react if I don't like it? Come on, this is not just me, right? This is not just me. You have looked at presents and you thought to yourself, okay, I mean, if this, if this isn't any good, you know, like if I don't really like this, then I have to make sure that I, and we talk to our kids beforehand and we tell them, look, you just be happy for anything that you get. You get to open a present. That's, that's a blessing for you. So you just, and so we, we kind of coach our kids. And I, and I remember being, I remember when I was a kid and I remember opening up presents and, and what happened was is that I had, uh, I would go to Christmas and I, I would be at Christmas with my family and I'd get such great gifts and then I would go and, and, I, would, and I would say to myself, I would think to myself, okay, well, if I go to Christmas and I get such good gifts at this Christmas, and the next Christmas will be just as good. And I was always have this expectation that, hey, we're going to another Christmas, which means I'm going to get more gifts. Now, this means I'm going to the extended Christmas now. So this is when you have all the grandkids and the grandchildren. And, and so we're all together. And, and there, there are notably less gifts because there's so many more people to cover. And so, but there was this expectation that it was going to still be good. And I remember... I remembered specifically this one Christmas I had. I think it was like eight or nine. And it was a long, long time ago. Like, long, long time ago to the point where we didn't even have a VCR yet. Okay? We didn't have a VCR yet. And so, 
Um, I'm there at Christmas, and I'm excited about the presents that I'm going to open, and here's this present from Grandma. I'm nine. Present from Grandma. I open the present. I don't have a VCR. It is a VHS tape of the movie Spartacus. I'm nine. And she, my grandmother bought me the VHS movie of Spartacus. Spartacus! I'm nine years old. It's not like a cartoon. It's not something I, I just look at the cover and I'm like, thanks, Grandma, for this movie. Now, I'm not saying that's, you know, Spartacus is one of those, like, when you get older, maybe, and watch Spartacus, and you think, oh, there's some interesting parts to it. There's a lot of boring parts, but I mean, there's some good parts, I guess, to the movie Spartacus, but I was nine. It was like, I'm thinking to myself, what? What was my grandmother thinking when she bought this present for me? Did you ever ask that question? You ever think to yourself, what were they thinking when they bought this for me? What was going through her head? Oh, well, Shane will love this. Does he have a VCR? No. How old is he? He's nine. Spartacus it is. And I didn't, I just, I couldn't understand until I got older and I started thinking to myself, what was going through her head? What was going through her head was that she was thinking about what some, maybe something that she would like to get or something that she would add to her library. And she thought, oh, well, I like this, so they will too. And oftentimes, We can get caught up in that. Oftentimes when we're thinking about gifts and presents for other people and people that we love, we think to ourselves, oh, that's cool. They'll love that. Oh, I'll get that for them. They'll really, really like that. And we kind of give it to them and they're like, thanks. It was nice, but this is more something that you would like and not something that I would like. Have you ever done that? Husbands, have you ever given your spouse something that you know they wouldn't want but that you would want? And you're just like, Dave, I love that you put your hand up, buddy. I love that you confess it out loud. That is amazing. And you're just like, but the reality is, is that when you get a gift, the gift is actually for the person that you're giving it to. And that you've got to think about the person that you're giving it to when you give somebody a gift. That's just like, that's just the whole point in giving a gift. And I think sometimes we forget that. I think sometimes when we're looking for the perfect gift, we, we start getting all emotionally connected to it. And uh, we start looking for the perfect thing. And when we stop, what happens is, is there's somewhere in the process when we're looking for the gift, we stop thinking about the other person. We just start thinking about the stuff that we like and the cool stuff that we see. Right? That's what's happened. We stop thinking about the other person. We start thinking about ourselves. Jesus Christ has given us this wonderful gift of salvation, the good news of the gospel, the good news of of Christ's salvation. And we've been talking about evangelism. We've been talking about coming and seeing and being exciting about our faith and being sharing our faith and, and, and being able to say, look, I'm a... I don't know every single answer to every book in the Bible, but I'm so excited about my faith that I have to share it. You've got to come and see what's going on. You've got to come and see that this, this Jesus that I know. 
And part of doing that is, is realizing that the place that you're in right now, the network of people that you know right now, are, are the exact people that God wants you to know right now. He wants you to know them. He want, he's got them in your life for a reason, for a purpose. It's not an accident. You're there. God has planted you there. He wants you to reach out and connect to your network. But that's why you're there. But sometimes what happens to us as Christians, sometimes there's a line that we, be, that we cross at times. We get so wrapped up in our faith, we get so wrapped up in what we're doing that we cross the line from thinking about others and thinking about Christ and thinking into thinking about ourselves. And we have to be careful of that today because we, we, do, we cannot save anyone. My words can't save anyone. Just because someone has a relationship with me doesn't mean they're going to go to heaven. It's not going to change their life. The only person that can truly change their life and change their heart is Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. But the, the problem is, is that when we cross that line into not thinking of, our, of others we, and we start thinking of ourselves and we start thinking about how it makes us feel, that life stops. We stop giving life. We stop giving eternal life away. We start giving ourselves. We start giving selfishness and pride and, and ambition. And we can't do that. We have, to, we have to check ourselves. This morning I want you to turn once again in your Bible to 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 10. We're going to start at verse 10 this morning. I've spoken to you about this the first couple of times. A couple of weeks ago, Pastor Becky uh, and, and, and Pastor Corey had spoken the last couple of weeks, but I want to bring you back to this portion of Scripture. Again, this is an interesting portion of Scripture that Paul is talking to the Corinthian church, and there's been a lot of challenges to Paul's authority. A lot of challenges to Paul saying, you don't, uh, there are people within the Corinthian church who are trying to gain control, trying to disprove that Paul had any authority within this church. But in reality, Paul had planted this church. Paul had established the relationships that it took in order for this church to sustain itself. And so Paul had every right to speak into this church's life, every right to send a letter and speak into their lives. And so Paul, this is a bit of a rebuttal. This is a bit of a, uh, they're kind of arguing back and forth by letter. You know, it's way slower than Facebook, but it, I, you know, it's, it's by messenger. So you don't really hear the argument for, for like five or six days. It's like, it's got to be rough. But you probably think of a good argument in those five days. So here's what I've said, chapter 10, verse 10. So Paul, again, is, is, it's kind of a rebuttal because people are saying, you don't, you, you don't have authority here. For some say Paul's letters are demanding, forceful, and in person. He is weak, and his speeches are worthless. Those people should realize that our actions when we arrive in person will be as forceful of what we say in our letters from far away. Oh, don't worry, we wouldn't dare say that we are as wonderful as the, these men who tell you how important they are but they're only comparing themselves with each other, using themselves as a standard of measurement. How ignorant. We will not boast about the things done outside of our area of authority. We will only boast about what has happened within the boundaries of the work God has given us, which includes our working with you. We are not reaching beyond these boundaries when we claim authority over you, as if we've never visited you. For we were the first to travel all the way to Corinth with the good news of Christ, nor do we boast and claim credit for the work someone else has done. Instead, we hope that your faith will grow so that the boundaries of our work among you will be extended. Then we will be able to go and preach the good news in other places far beyond you when no one else is working. Then there will be no question of our boasting about our work done in someone else's territory. So Paul here understands that his network, 
He understands where God has called him. He understands that he has authority in the places that God has called him to, but he doesn't have authority in the places that God hasn't called him to. Paul is not trying to write letters to churches he has never visited. He's not writing letters to areas of the world that he has not planted or doesn't have authority. He only writes letters to places in which he has authority. He doesn't write letters to people that aren't under his authority. You notice that there are books in the Bible called Timothy, First and Second Timothy. Timothy was someone under Paul's leadership that Timothy grew and became a, pa- became a pastor and pastored some churches. Paul is not writing letters to some other church leaders. He's writing letters to Timothy. He's writing letters to churches who is under his authority. And so he's being responsible here. He's helping us understand, okay, this is not about me. This is not about growing our kingdom. This is not about me somehow spreading my own notoriety around the world. This is just about me being a good steward and working the the network that God has given me. So in order for us to make sure that we, that we keep ourselves in line, we've got to remember a few things and we can use these, this example of Paul. Because we have to remind ourselves that we're here to further God's kingdom and express his love and be witnesses to the good news of Christ and his love and his grace. So the first thing we need to realize is that we have to, we, we have to connect to the network that we have and we can't be upset about we can't be upset about how small or insignificant we may feel that is. Because the first lie that, you, that we all believe at some point in our walks with Christ is that the place that we're in right now, the network that we're connected right now, the people that are connected to us right now, we think we be, sometimes we can begin to think to ourselves, well, I'm not making that much difference. I don't really have that much influence. I'm not really important. What I'm doing isn't significant. The people that I'm connected to, it's not really making an impact. I don't know if you've ever thought that before. I've thought it. I don't know if you've thought it, that we think to ourselves, you know, I, I want to make an impact and I want to change the world, and, and, but it seems like right now it's like, oh, oh well, I, this isn't significant enough for me or I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. The first thing we have to realize is, is, that, the, is that what you're doing right now is extremely important is that the people that you're connected to right now is where God wants you to be and that the people he wants you to influence and it's extremely significant the people that you know and you are connected to right now. And we can't lose sight of that. We can't lose, we can't start thinking to ourselves, well, I should be doing this or I should be doing that or I should, I should, I'm more important. I've spent, I've been a Christian for X amount of years and I should know more people and have more influence. Because we start thinking to ourselves, we should be a little bit, maybe we should be more influential than we, than we are. We should have more influence and people, we should make more connections and know more people. And the reality is, is that we have to make sure that what God has given us, what God has entrusted to us, and when I'm talking about that, I'm talking about the people in your life. I'm talking about the people that you know, you know their names, the people in your network, God has called you to those people. And until we're faithful to those people, I don't believe that God is going to broaden anything in our lives. We have to be faithful to what God has given us. We have to be faithful to how God, uh, God has given us something and we need to be good stewards of what he's given us. And so it starts with that. And you have to, it starts with realizing that that is extremely significant. Because listen, 
Sometimes, listen, sometimes there's, there's stuff that we have to do that we don't necessarily want to do, right? Right? If there's, maybe there's work that you have to be done at home that you don't really like to do. You know that stuff? You know that one thing or that four things or those ten things that you really, really hate to do? And you think to yourself, I hate this. And then you start having conversations with yourself and you're just like, I'm not made for this. This isn't my gifting. I'm not called to do this. This is not who I am. And we start thinking, we start getting all frustrated with ourselves. You know what? What happens is we start to put those things off. We don't do them. We don't do them and and we start thinking to ourselves, ah, you know what? That's not really that important. It's not really who I am. I'm not really good at that, so I'm just not going to do it. Church, that's just being lazy. Honestly, it's just being lazy. It's because we don't want to work hard. It's because we just don't want to do it. It's not because we're not called to do it because you are. And it's not because you're not gifted to do it. Well, too bad. It's just still your job. You don't have to be gifted to do dishes, okay? It doesn't take a, a course. You know, you don't need to take a course in doing dishes. You know, it's, it's, it's a pretty simple process. You know, it's not a huge learning curve. You just got to get it done. It doesn't mean, you know, it's not like, not like people who go into their, uh, into their guidance counselor and someone says, oh, wow, you're really gifted at dishes. Like, it doesn't happen. It's just something that has to be done. It's just something that you have to do and you have to work hard. And if you don't work hard, then you're not being a good steward of what God's given you. And if you're not being a good steward of God's given you, then how can he entrust you with more? The Bible is pretty clear on, on laziness. And honestly, this is all it is. This, it's just us being lazy, thinking to ourselves, this isn't worthy of my time. This isn't worthy of my effort. Romans 12, verse 11 says, Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Colossians three twenty three: Work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Ephesians 6, 7. Work with enthusiasm as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. So forget all of the chores. Forget all of the house duties. I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking about are the people that God has in your network and realizing that that is important work. It is important that you connect with those people. It is important and significant that you do. And the moment we start thinking to ourselves that this, is, this isn't important enough for us or this isn't worth it or maybe they're not worth it or maybe it's not worth my time it's not worth my heart. It's not worth my energy to pour into the person that, that, I, that God has put in front of me. Then really we've become lazy. We've become a little bit self-important, thinking to ourselves, uh, you're not worth my time. You see, you see how our working for the Lord, we kind of crossed this line in, in working for Christ and, and working God's kingdom, and then we, we cross this line and then we start kind of thinking about ourselves. We start kind of thinking, well, you know, I really want to maximize my efforts. I really want to, you know, and we begin to ignore the things that God has placed in front of us. So he's calling us to not be lazy. He's calling us to a place that we need to realize that if we don't do what God has called us to do, we don't do what's in front of us, then we'll never achieve what God has called us to do. We'll never see the things that God has in store for us. Because it starts with us being faithful with what he's given us. It starts there. 
And there's not going to be any new jobs. There's not going to be any new things, I believe, until, God, until we're able to fulfill what God has put in front of us. Luke chapter 16, verse 10. If you are faithful in the little things, you'll be faithful in the large ones. If you're dishonest in the little things, then you won't, and you won't be honest with the greater responsibilities. If you're faithful in the little things, you will be faithful in the bigger things. But the Bible is trying to tell us is that if you're not faithful in the little things, then there's not going to be bigger things that come. <laughs> because we have to do the work that God has called us to do. And the, the big misstep right here is to honestly think that it's not worth it. To honestly think to yourself, you know what? It's not really going to make a difference. Have you ever thought to yourself about that? You ever thought when you, maybe there's someone who you work with or maybe there's someone who's related to you and you think to yourself, this will be the, the 400,000th time that I've tried to be nice to this person. It's just not worth it. This is the 100th time I've had to forgive them of this. I'm just, I'm not, it's just not worth it. You know what? I'm just, forget it. I'm just not gonna talk to them I'm just, I'm going to focus my attention on this person who, 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 who really likes me and makes me feel good about me. You see when our faith begins to become a part about us and not about Christ? Because what, is, what does the Bible tell us? That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That, that Jesus loved those who were even on the cross, he loved and cared about those who were even hurting him and beating him and killing him at the time. So we, we in turn, need to make sure that we're not blocking out people in our network. We're not, we're not cutting corners on, on the people that God has called us to. That we shouldn't block, block these specific things out because we think to ourselves, well, it's not worth it. Church, in the end, that's just laziness, Right? And God's not going to honor laziness. <laughs> we have to work hard. That's who God's called us to. The second thing is that we need to make sure, the first, sorry, the first thing is that we have to make sure that we reach out to our network. So we have to make sure that we do what God has called us to do and connect with those people. The second thing is that we have to make sure that Christ stays the center of our network, that this is not about building our kingdom. This is not about what we are trying to achieve. This is not about you or your so-called failures or your so-called victories. A lot of times we can reach out and we think to ourselves, uh, you know, we think to ourselves, well, I've got a really, you know, like a good Christian. What a good Christian does is they get people saved. That's what good Christians do. Good Christians lead other people in the sinner's prayer. That's what good Christians do. And good Christians are able to talk to people who aren't Christians and, and get them to come to their church and get them saved. And we start thinking to ourselves, that's what good Christians do. And so we, be, we, we, we have this standard that we set in front of us and we think to ourselves, well, I've got to meet this standard, otherwise I'm not good. The opposite can be true as well, because so that what's, this is what happens is we kind of set this standard, and we set the standard, okay, this is what a good Christian does, and then we start asking people, hey, do you want to come to my church? And they come to our church, and then they give their lives to Jesus, and you're just like, yes, I'm a good Christian now. I'm amazing at this. 
feel better. But what's been lost here? It's not about us achieving some sort of standard of good Christianity. This is about loving Jesus. This is about loving Jesus Christ. This isn't about whether we're achieving failure or whether we're achieving success. The failure or success has nothing to do with the response of others. Your failure or your success as a Christian and as someone who follows Jesus has absolutely nothing to do with the response of the people you're reaching. You cannot control. You cannot force anyone to turn to Christ. You can't do it, so stop trying. What we need to be trying to do is give them Jesus, is give them love. If they say yes, if they say no, either way, that's not about you. So can we, can we just kind of like can we take that chart down? Can we take the chart down? Can we take the stickers down? You know, the gold stars that we give ourselves or the X marks that we give ourselves? I can't believe I didn't do this today. Such a horrible Christian. Or I did this today. Oh, I feel, ah, I feel better about myself. Well, it's good to feel good about yourself. It's good to feel good about doing the right thing. But remember that we're giving Christ. That Christ needs to be at the center of what we do, of what we say. And the thing that needs to drive us is not achieving some sort of task. It's not achieving some sort of goal. I find it amazing that, I find it amazing that Jesus stayed in his network. Like, I find it amazing that Jesus just stayed in this little community of Israel. That, that he, he stuck to that spot, not because he didn't love the rest of the world, but he knew where God had called him. He knew that what, what, what his father wanted him to do was to reach the people of Israel, was to reach the, 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 this nation first. Well, that's not fair. Pastor Shane, you know, like how come he didn't go here? How come he didn't go there? How come he didn't travel to Rome? Like, why would Jesus not go to Caesar? Why would he not go to the Roman emperor, the leader of the free world, and get that guy saved? (laughs) Why wouldn't he? He's the leader of the world. Why wouldn't Jesus go and try and get that guy saved? Why wouldn't he spend all of his time just trying to convince this one person that he should be saved, that he should listen to what Jesus had to say. But even Jesus defaulted, even Jesus came under authority of God's perfect plan of salvation. And said, it's not even about me building an empire. This isn't me. This is about me bringing glory to the Father. And even at that moment, Jesus didn't even stay in one area very long. He moved around to different churches. He didn't even go to the center of the Jewish world. He didn't even live in Jerusalem and try and create some sort of empire there. He stayed on the outskirts. Jesus lived in Angus. He lived in Keswick. He lived out there. Well, why wouldn't he move closer to the city? Because that wasn't part of God's plan. He wasn't trying to centralize. He wasn't trying to even bring glory to his ministry. He was trying to bring glory to God. 
And the moment we start trying to bring glory to our ministry, the moment we start thinking to ourselves, well, I need to make sure that this person gets saved so that people can recognize that I'm a good Christian and, and then I can go and just say, yeah, that person's here because I brought them. That's not gonna change their life. Our focus needs to be on Christ and his plans. Philippians chapter one, Paul is speaking to something in the Philippian church. That there is, there's actually people who are preaching about Christ because it was good for them. It was, it was, it was profitable for them. That they weren't, in their hearts, they weren't really doing things for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of Jesus Christ. They weren't doing things for the sake of God. They were just kind of doing it because they liked the attention. Philippians chapter 1, verse 15. It's true that some of them are preaching out of jealousy and rivalry, but others preach about Christ with pure motives. They preach because they love me, for they know I've been appointed to defend the good news. Those others don't have pure motives. They preach about Christ. They preach about selfish ambition, not sincerely intending to make my chains more painful to me. Romans chapter 15, verse 20 says this, my ambition has always been to preach the good news where the name of Christ has never been heard rather than where a church has already been started by someone else. Always been to to start where no one else has preached the gospel. See, Paul's not, I don't believe Paul's trying to build an empire. I think he's trying to spread the gospel. He's not trying to bring glory to himself. He's trying to spread the gospel. I know it seems crazy that someone would, would share the gospel or do good deeds for other people would notice. You know, it thinks you, you think to yourself, like, why would someone, why would someone start a church or be a pastor or be, or why would someone do something that, that is trying to bring glory to themselves as Christ? Well, listen, it happens all the time. It happens all the time for each and every one of us. We, start, we get so wrapped up in what people think of us. We get so wrapped up in an, in an ambitious spirit to say, well, I'm, you know, I, I help you know, I help at, my, help at my church and I'm doing this and I've been faithful for this amount of time and so I feel as though that I deserve the opportunity for a greater responsibility in the church. Well, I, de- I deserve. Becomes ambitious. We have to be careful and even in our relationships with here in the church, our relationships and the people in our network, that we don't start thinking this is about gaining a platform for ourselves, but really about loving Jesus and him being at the center. Because the moment, church, the moment we begin to take credit for Christ's work in somebody else's life, the moment we start feeling good about ourselves, because we start thinking to ourselves, well, the reason that person's doing so well is because of me. It's because I told them to do this at this moment in their life and they listened to me and now, now look what, you know, what's going on. So, I mean, that's, that's good on me, right? It's a slippery slope. Because the problem is, is that when, when the opposite happens, 
when the opposite happens in our life? When someone we've, you know, we've tried to mentor or tried to bring to Jesus and then all of a sudden they start doing the wrong thing? Like maybe our kids? <laughs> and they start going off in a direction that we're not, we don't want them to go and we start thinking to ourselves, what is wrong with me? I am brutal at this. If I was a better Christian, if I, just, if I was better at this, then they would serve Jesus. That may not be true. <laughs> because people have to decide. People have to decide on their own. That's why our faith in Christ is so extraordinary. Because it's between us and God. And we have to decide whether we're going to follow Jesus Christ or not. You can't force anybody to do it. And the moment we start basing our emotion and basing our self-worth on the response of others is the moment we have taken Christ out of the equation. We've taken Jesus right out of it. Now it becomes about us. So let's forget about that stuff. Let's forget about that, those kind of ideas and let's just realize, you know what, here's Jesus. I love you. This is what love means. If you reject that, okay, that doesn't mean that I'm going to stop loving. If you do, if you do accept that, then that's great. Glory be to God that that's awesome. But it's not about us. It has to be about Christ. The last thing is, is that we don't have to grow our own network. And part of what happens with self and selfish ambition, what happens with this idea is that we start thinking to ourselves, well, we need to grow. I need to grow. Well, I need, you know, grow. Because growing is a part of life, right? We think to ourselves, well, you know, like if, if, I'm, doing a God, if I'm doing a good job, then my, my network should grow. I should, more people in my network, more people in my life should get saved. And hey, if we're doing a good job as a church, then our church should grow. I mean, that's what should happen. And people should get saved. And, and that's what should happen. And so we need to say, okay, well, we need to grow. And so what's some strategies and, more t- and to make sure that we grow as a church? And so we have to, okay, what are some growth things that we can do? And so we get so enamored with growth, we get so enamored with growing, and that, just that idea of growing and getting bigger can become an idol in our life. To gain more influence and grow and think to ourselves, well, I need to, I need to progress. I need to grow. I need more. I need to, uh, in order to, for me to feel good about me, I can't do the same thing for 30 years of my life. The problem with that attitude is that we think to ourselves, well, that we're somehow in charge of growth. But the Bible tells us that we're not in charge of growth. The Bible tells us that we're not in charge of growing people, that he is the one who grows in people. He is the one that causes people to grow. He is the one who will grow his church and who will build his church. Not us. We're not here to build anything. We're here to express the love of Jesus and witness to what Christ has done in our life. It is Christ's job to grow. Not yours. Don't believe me? Here we go. Here comes the Bible for you. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18 says this. Now I say to you that you're Peter, which means rock. So Jesus is talking to 
to one of his disciples. Talking to Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church. He doesn't say to Peter, upon you, Peter, you are going to build my church. He says, I'm going to build my church. He doesn't say to Peter, you're going to build it. I'm going to build it. Okay? 1 Corinthians. We've read this portion of scripture before. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 4. So when one of you says, I'm a follower of Paul, and another says, I follow Apollos, aren't you acting just like the people of the world? After all, who is Apollos? Who is Paul? We are only God's servant through whom you believe each the good news. Each of us did the work the Lord gave us. I planted the seed in your hearts, and Apollo watered it, but it is God who made it grow. You see the trees outside Those trees over there, you know what? I don't think anybody waters those trees over there. Nope. Nobody does. You know the lilac bushes up at the front of the the church that I wish we could cut down, but none of the women will let me do it? (laughs) Honestly, no word of a lie. First, one of the first things that someone said to me when I came to this church nine years, nine and a half years ago, was you can't cut down those bushes. You're not allowed. Those are my lilac bushes. But you know what? I don't water those bushes. I don't put new soil there. I don't put fertilizer there. I don't do anything to those bushes. And you know what happens? They grow. Why? Because God's the one who grows things. God grows things. He created this planet for it to grow. How does it grow? It grows by itself because that's what Christ wants it to do. Somewhere along the line, we have put ourselves in charge of growing and watching how much it grows. And if if it doesn't grow this much, if it doesn't grow this much, then we must be doing something wrong. Well, what's wrong with me? This should be growing. It's supposed to grow like this, this much per year. This is how it's supposed to go. Verse 6, I planted the seeds in your heart, Apollo watered it, but it is God who has made it grow. It's not important who does the planting, it's not, or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. The one who plants and the one who waters work together for the same purpose, and both will be rewarded for their hard work. How about another scripture verse? Verse Chronicles chapter 4, verse 10. He is the one who prayed to the God of Israel. Remember the prayer of Jabez? Anybody remember the little book that made millions of dollars? And everybody in their church decided to do a, a, port, a, you know, a series on the prayer of Jabez? Well, here's the prayer of Jabez. Oh, that you would bless me and expand my territory. Even Jabez understands he can't expand his own territory. Only God can expand your territory. Only God can expand your network. And the moment we start putting ourselves in charge of expanding our own networks is the moment we start playing God. And I'm horrible at that. And so are you. You don't want that job. Psalms chapter 127, verse 1 says, Unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted. Unless the Lord protects a city, guarding it with centuries will do no good. It is useless for you to work so hard from the early morning until late at night, anxiously working for food to eat, for God gives rest to his his loved ones. God is in charge of growth. 
not you. Our job is to obey. Our job is to walk in obedience. But somewhere along the line, selfish ambition can come in to our relationship with God and we start thinking to ourselves, this is about me. This is about me doing the right thing. This is about me looking good as a Christian. This is about me looking good as a pastor and making sure that our church grows. And this is about me making sure that, that, this is, that our children are, doing, are being perfect at all times and in every moment. We start basing our success and, our, and what's going on in our life on what other people are doing and how they're responding. God will take care of the more. Some of us have bigger dreams. Some of us have dreams about what God wants to do in us and through us. We have dreams about what's next and what's beyond. Let the Spirit of God lead you there. Don't take it upon yourself to grow yourself, to grow your network, to, to build more influence on your own. It's a complete waste of time. It's only going to leave with selfish ambition, and eventually you're going to have a prideful fall, and you're going to come crashing down. You're not in charge of growth. Jesus is. We need to be faithful at what God has connected us to, We need to be faithful what God has called us to and do a good job and work hard at the network that God has called us in to make sure that we keep Jesus Christ at the center of that. And don't worry about growth. Walk in obedience. Walk by his spirit. Walk in compassion and the love of Christ. And you know what? You'll grow. And the people around you will grow. And God is going to bless you. But the moment you take the focus off of Christ and you put it on yourself, it's the moment, I believe, that all your growth potential, all of our influence, begins to be meaningless. There's a songwriter, his name's Matt Redmond. Have you heard of him before? He, uh, he tells this story about how he can't get his guitar strap on. <laughs> and once that story's done, he tells another story. Of a pastor who was the leader of his church. Very influential church. And... Uh, had a great music program and, and they were selling, selling CDs and doing awesome and then all of a sudden the pastor had come to realize that their whole expression of church had become more about them than about Christ. It's within that context that Matt Redman wrote a song 15 years ago about coming back to the heart of worship. It's not about us. 
Even, even in evangelism, even in reaching Christ, people for Christ, it really is about Christ. It really is about serving him and loving him. And that needs to be our motivation for serving him. Church, I know I've been talking about evangelism for a long time. And sometimes that can be discouraging, right? Because we can start thinking to ourselves, well, I'm just not doing enough. I'm just not measuring up as a Christian. Or otherwise, uh, we would be growing. Otherwise, more people would be getting saved. Otherwise, this is what would be happening. I'm just not doing enough. And so maybe some people aren't coming to church today because they don't want to hear about evangelism anymore. Because it think, we start thinking to ourselves, well, I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just horrible at this. That's not the point, church. It's to bring us to this place of understanding that Christ is at the center of our network and that wherever we've gone, before you even got there, Jesus is there. See, you think that the people in your network are just by themselves and there's these pagan, evil people and you think, man, I gotta change them all around. You don't have to change them. The Spirit is already at work. Spirit is already at work in their life. He's already got plans for them, and you're just part of Christ's plan. So you know what? It's time to lay those burdens down. It's not about you. This is just about us serving Christ and our relationship with him. If we do our best to serve our relationship with him and grow, then God is going to grow all that needs to be grown. I'm going to sing this song for you, and I'm going to do it acoustically, just to give you the spirit of the song here. You've probably heard it before. Some of you have, and if you, if you have, would you just sing along with me? It was like this. When the music fades, and all is stripped away, and I simply come. I'm longing just to bring something that's of worth that will bless your heart. I'll bring you more than a song, for a song in itself is not what you have required. You search much deeper within Through the way things appear You're looking into my heart I'm coming back to a heart of worship And it's all about you It's all about you, Jesus I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I made it. It's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm coming back to a heart of worship. And it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it, and it's all about you, 
It's all about you, Jesus. Sharing the good news is just about worshiping Jesus. You see, we think that worship is about singing and about the band and about the guitar. Worship is just humbling ourselves. Saying, God, I want to serve you. I want to give you my best. I want to give you my all. You see, when you talk to the person in your network about Jesus, when you share the love of Christ, that is so much more worship than than singing a song. The heart of worship is to put Christ first in everything that we do and say, God, here, take me. Do whatever you want. Whatever happens, it's up to you.